everyone to polk and kush it is friday december 22nd 2023 and we are coming at you with a late night episode after the saints game we are here locked and loaded it is me scott kushner alongside my trusty pal mr andrew polk merry christmas Merry Christmas. Or as I say, Merry Christmas only. (laughs) We did it. We brought it back. (laughs) Thank you to President Donald J. Trump for bringing back Merry Christmas. And look, I'm not here to connect dots that don't exist, okay? But since Trump's been out of office, the Saints haven't had a good season. (laughs) (laughs) We got a present for everybody, and it is no Saints game this Sunday. Merry Christmas. Oh, my God. Uh, we'll obviously get into a lot of the Saints game, but... You look great. Yeah, I'm dressed to the nines. Yeah. I had Shoes, a- socks, belt. <laughs> uh, I, my kids spilled food on me. Yeah. Everything was good. Uh, I went to uh, Arnold's today wow. in the French Quarter for a holiday party. Fancy. It was fantastic. Most of the time, those places stink as far as food goes, especially to party. I mean... Understandable. You're serving 60 people food. It's very hard to make all the food yeah. good. I get it. Uh, they did a tremendous job. So they're not a sponsor of the show, but if they'd like to be, I'm sure we have a lot of people who would like to uh, go to Arnaud's. It was very, very good in the French Quarter. The French Quarter is very festive today. A lot of people out and about, well-dressed, walking around, drinking heavily, uh, pretending they don't live here. It was a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful day in the French Quarter. Beautiful. And I'm sure tomorrow will be that time's three or four uh with it being the friday before christmas and christmas being a monday right yeah so that'll be a very big day tomorrow uh in the french quarter i think uh, the city always feels like it uh it's a nice time it's one of those underrated times to be in new orleans because it is uh the weather is usually pretty good and it's very local it's yeah it's a lot of people who are from you know within a 10 minute drive really of the french quarter whereas most of the time the Mardi Gras of the world and those kinds of things, or even your you know day-to-day existence in the French Quarter, it's mostly geared toward tourists. These are the ran- the very rare days that are geared toward locals. So if you're local, if you're looking for something to do, I would suggest uh, throwing on a, a shirt with buttons and heading on down to the court. Yeah, it's great. It's great being in the French Quarter this time of year because all the people standing on the sidewalk blocking the way are wearing Santa hats now. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't think they're going to be wearing Saints jerseys. It's all Christmas attire. <laughs> Just bucket drummers in front of them with Santa hats on, yes. You can get mugged by a guy dressed up as an elf. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. But not a lot of Santa hats with the Saints jerseys. I don't think I saw anyone until I literally walked into Harrah's and the dealers, I guess, are supposed to wear Saints stuff. I think they can, and yeah. All of them were just wearing Breeze jerseys, which made me like, no uh, adult has decided to buy a jersey besides, like, since Drew Brees retired, and nobody's been, like, inspired to buy another jersey uh, since then. So that's not great uh, that everyone's still wearing Drew Brees jerseys. But it did remind me that the game was tonight because I had kind of forgotten about it. So yeah, that was Thursday exciting. night games are always weird. 
Like you just kind of come upon them like a grisly murder in the bywater. (laughs) You just walk around the corner and there it is. I think also in my head as I as I as I looked at the schedule for so long, I was like, oh, well, clearly take this game out of Thursday (laughs) night. No one wants to watch this. This is definitely going to turn into a whatever one o'clock throwaway game on a Sunday. And they just didn't. Yeah, I guess it's because the Rams are actually pretty good. Yeah. but it was, uh, yeah, it really snuck up on me, and then I, I kind of got excited about it. I bet on the Saints because I was drunk. Uh, Did you bet on them to cover? Because they covered. No, they the didn't. Co- they were four and a half. Was the oh, spread. okay. Yeah, so they did not get there. Uh, thanks to Cam Jordan for jumping offside in the last minute of the game. <laughs> He's only like started two hundred games. And can't expect, you know, can't expect him to not jump offside to literally end the game. Um, but yeah, that was uh, challenging. And I shouldn't ever drink in bed. It was a bad idea. Drinking in bed? Drinking and betting. Oh. Becoming a bettor. Okay. Yes. So lost that I one. I was clearly imprinting my own personal experience <laughs> on yours. Yeah, drinking in bed's great. Yeah, Why wouldn't you great. do that? I sleep with a giant bottle of Diamond Tap, right? <laughs> I mix the Tussin and the Diamond Tap. And yeah. Um, so. That's what happened. Uh, we'll get into the Saints game because why the hell not? It's what we're here for. It's probably what you're here for if you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, look, man, the Saints are who we thought they were. We're going to say that for, I don't know, the 15th week of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a really badly coached team. They're pretty flawed uh, in a lot of areas, and they lost to a team that is unquestionably better than them, I think. Yeah. And that's uh, a kind of a boring synopsis, but sort of where this team is right now. Yeah, and what always happens happened where the Saints scored a couple of touchdowns in garbage time in a row yeah. so the local media can say, well, they've got some heart. Yeah, congratulations to the Saints for not quitting. Uh, you'll be getting an Independent Spirit Award uh, at the end of the season. We're very excited for you. When we give out the trophies that say uh, hardest worker, you will be there to get your ribbons. They'll be uh, orange uh, and they'll hang over your necks and you'll be able to wave to the crowd. Uh, Truly, uh, of all the narratives this season, and there have been a lot of them that have been bullshit, the this team doesn't quit is the far and away the most pathetic crap i've ever seen in my life from the local media i love fletcher mackle okay he is my favorite one of my favorite people to talk to he's not the only one who said it but not only did he tweet it then he asked lance moore about it on the start of the post game show and lance moore was like no man like no like bro what are you talking about so moral victories in the nfl yeah the team let up in the lat like the rams were up 30 to 7 with 8 minutes left and basically stopped caring cuz they allowed the saints to just dink and dunk their way down the field and score a touchdown yeah. it's like who cares it do- it literally means nothing like it d- there's nothing about it that makes you feel like that game was closer because they scored two trash touchdowns at the end of the game that mean nothing that is the Derek Carr ism of the Saints like that is him in a nutshell it's like he's going to end up with a pretty decent stat line in a game where they had no chance to win and everyone's going to say well I, I don't know I think he played okay he looked like he did all right I think Derek Carr pretty good just see his numbers and it's like anybody who watched that game would be like yeah he sucked the team sucked everything sucked the coach is an idiot of the fire everyone and then anyone who just looked at the stats or looked at the final score at the end of the game, like, I don't know, pretty close. I'm not too bad. They're okay. 
<laughs> they had a shot. Moral victories are for like people trying to climb a mountain that lost a leg in an accident. <laughs> it's not for professional football. It's like if you're running a marathon and like shit your pants and you make it across the finish line. That's a moral victory. Look, if our boy Coach Sless is coaching in Cameron Indoor Stadium and they lose to Duke by six points, that's a moral victory. Okay? Yeah. You walk out of there with your held held eye saying, you know, we gave it our, our all. This is the National Football League. You are supposed to be a team capable of winning in the playoffs and you're talking about scoring. The takeaway is that scoring two touchdowns down 30 to 7 is a great thing for the team and shows something about them besides the fact they were down 30 to 7 is the bigger problem than the idea that they score two touchdowns being a good thing like the fact that you are have been in this position now at least 3 times this year of getting mauled to death during the game but scoring a couple times late that's not good yeah like you're that's... you're paying them for victories not moral <laughs> victories and I think this is when you can start to look at football as a job. Yeah. You're paying these guys for a service, yes. and the service is not going well. I know it's 2023. Service everywhere sucks. <laughs> but there's no solution. There's no app you can use with the Saints to make their service better. <laughs> no. You can't online order a victory from the Saints and avoid all the bullshit. I can't ask for a side of guac from the fans. <laughs> No, man, it's it's really uh, it's discouraging to watch them play. And uh, honestly, the moral victory stuff, I do feel like there would at least be a little bit of credence to it if the team was, I don't know, not old as shit and everyone is like on their last leg and no one is young and no one's getting better. Like that's the part where like, look, if Derek Carr was a was Bryce Young and they had a game like that tonight, you'd be like, you know, he didn't play great. But you saw some flashes at the end of the game. Maybe things are starting to click. I mean, there's things you could lie to yourself about that would be legitimately feeling like they would not be lying to yourself. Yeah. This is not that. Derek Carr is an old man who stinks at quarterback. Everyone in the world knows he stinks at quarterback. Yet he has the innate ability to, at the end of the day, get in a box score and it doesn't look that bad. How can he maintain his position? At $35 million a year. No wavering. He bought some really nice gifts for the offensive lineman. You've got Jameis Winston State, showing man. up with an empty suitcase. Elite, like, you look at them on the sidelines, <laughs> and Derek Carr is, like, listening to My Chemical Romance, <laughs> grumbling in his diary. And then you've got Jameis, like, doing the worm and having a good time. Can we see Jameis, for the love of God? <laughs> What is the point? What is in that briefcase? <laughs> Hope. It would be so great if it was just like like a, just a mountain of chicken wings. <laughs> it's like Lionel Hutz's briefcase. It's just like newsprint. Yeah, it's just crackers, you know. It's so good. Uh, yeah, the, the team so clearly hates playing for Derek Carr, too, which is the part that is really just... Uh, Alvin Kamara plays with the passion of uh, a desk like he just literally has he's like a table reincarnate he just stares at him every time he you know runs the ball for one yard because he gets hit six times in the backfield and it's i mean it's really really bad alvin kamara is all of us yes alvin kamara is everybody at a dead-end job going why am i with these bozos 
I'm better than this. What am I doing? He's like a pilot for Spirit Airlines. It's like, <laughs> I could be the best pilot in the world. Everyone's going to hate the flight. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what I do in the sky. What matters is that everyone sitting on the plane is going through a miserable experience. Yeah, Derek right Carr is the CEO going, yeah, charge him for water. <laughs> $8. <laughs> It's just no screens, <laughs> no plugs. You can keep the ashtrays. And Mickey Loomis is at the shareholder meeting going, everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> you guys not watch? We didn't quit at all on that flight. <laughs> the plane landed. That thing that football teams don't do, you know. <laughs> like every NFL team stays out there the entire game. <laughs> whole game. The whole game. If they had lost 44 to 7 instead of. 30 to 22 would i care any differently about the result of that game and i can i feel like unequivocally i can say no i don't think it would have mattered to me at all the game ended when it was whatever it was i think it was 23 to 7 and that was what i was like oh this game's over it was definitely over at 30 to 7 and then the saints decided to take the longest most methodical drive in the history of football, <laughs> they were like just throwing four yard and five yard passes and huddling and going up. And it was like, you know, I think Nico Marley, one of my all time favorite uh, Tulane uh, people who I covered, uh, he tweeted and he said, if everyone acted like the Saints down 23 points, we'd solve world peace. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were just the most serene, calm way of going about a drive, which is almost certainly going to be completely meaningless unless it's quick. And they just allowed, you know, just slowly but surely. You got it, buddy. It's like a tortoise race, you know, or like one of those baby crawling races at halftime of like the Pelicans game. That's what it felt like. And it was... uh, I mean, this team sucks, man. I don't know what there is to say. There's, I, there's nothing left to say. We've said it all. Here's the thing. I don't think we have said it all because I, and even including the last, whatever, 10 minutes here, the our ire has mostly been pointed at the offense the entire season. Yeah. The biggest myth that the people in New Orleans have spewed for the last four months is that this is a good defense. And that if only the offense could match the defense, the team would be pretty good. The defense is shit, everybody. They're really bad. They just happen to play horrible quarterbacks week after week after week. And they finally had to play. They've had to play three decent quarterbacks this year, and they got roasted in all of them. Absolutely roasted. When it mattered, when it didn't matter, when it was quitting time, when it wasn't, they got murdered. By all, did the Rams punt tonight? Other than the very end when it was blocked, is there that was, the only punt of the game? No, there was another. I think there were two punts total. I mean, there certainly wasn't a turnover, right? No. Yeah, the defense stinks. Okay, and there's this perception that the defense is good enough to keep you in games. Yeah, against Tommy DeVito. Yeah, against Desmond Ritter. Sure, not against a real quarterback. Dak Prescott, if they happen to win that Buccaneers game and play here in a home playoff game, Dak Prescott is going to throw over 675 yards. And I'm going to cry in the stands. Because <laughs> I'll have to go. I'll have to. The people, e- the people expect it at this point. Yeah. You're one of the beacons of truth. <laughs> and it's what's going to happen. 
I, I really am like there's part of me that's just agonizing over the idea of having to watch them play it, that if they win that Tampa game, they're going to have this like must win game against Atlanta at home and they're going to win it and everyone's going to get excited and then they're going to have to play a real team with a real quarterback and things are going to be so bad, bad. But in the meantime, do you get excited for these last two games after having watched this today? Absolutely not. Yeah. Do you think the defense is terrible completely, or is it terrible without Marshawn Lattimore? It doesn't help. No. But it didn't feel like they were getting just, like, picked apart by one guy tonight, where, like, one cornerback would have made a significant difference. Right. They ran down their throats, which so did Atlanta, ran down, so did Detroit, uh, ran straight through them, and killed him in the middle of the field. And Matt Stafford didn't even try to run, which has been the part of the Dennis Allen experience that, you know, year after year, a running quarterback just kind of has their way with them. Um, they're just not very good. They're kind of old. They're not particularly talented at a couple of important positions, namely at safety, at linebacker, and at defensive tackle. The middle of your defense is very weak, and therefore they're pretty bad. And... I don't even want to. I'm just glad we didn't wait to listen to the Dennis Allen press conference after the game because I know exactly what he's going to say. The season is not over. Keep chopping wood. We're right there. We've done a couple that we know exactly. We know when we're good. We know when we're bad. We just have to figure out a way to keep getting better and try to improve and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be all bullshit. And we all know. And if nothing's going to change. They're either going to be bad and they're going to beat Tampa and Atlanta or they're going to be bad and they're going to lose Tampa and Atlanta. Either way, they're going to be bad. And that is the part that is uh, dispiriting. But I am also stupid enough. Uh, me, personally, I am dumb enough that if they like are beating Tampa in the second half, I will be excited. And if they come home for like a must-win playoff game against Atlanta and it's they're up, I'm going to be fired up. Fired up because I'm not... I don't have the brain capacity to not be able to do that. I can't separate. Are you like a goldfish in the bowl making one revolution and forgetting about everything? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited tonight when I remember they were playing at 630. <laughs> I was very excited. Well, we didn't need to see the Dennis Allen press conference because, you know, uh, the movie Speed, how they rig the camera so it's just playing the same <laughs> the, thing on the, a loop. The, the loop. That's what the Saints are doing after these games. Dennis Allen is home asleep. They're just playing the same old Dennis Allen press conference over and over, and no one's noticed. I love when they show the camera on him during the game, and he's like holding his play sheet against his mouth to like not give away the secrets. Like it doesn't matter. You could just tell him what. Like you're if he do. if he holds that laminated sheet a little bit further away, people are going to see him going. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> what do we do? He's holding the Waffle House menu over his mouth, so the Rams with binoculars won't see him going. Who's that? Smothered, <laughs> covered. <laughs> Dude, it's, they kept showing him like covering his mouth. I was like, what are you doing? He's burping. That could be the only. I was, like, I was like, who? No matter what you say into that can, the, the whoever's helmet, I guess it's Mario's helmet, does not matter. <laughs> Physically makes no difference. Do you think Dennis Allen is some genius strategizing behind? Dennis Allen has like two mindsets. That guy's big and that guy's coming. Those are like his only reads. 
Like, he has no strategy in mind for anything. No, he's bad, man. The fourth downs today were really, like, one of those, like, such inconsistency and logic that you, to, to not realize how bad it was, you have to really detach yourself from the world. And the first fourth down, I believe they were at, like, the 36-yard line, and he punted. And then the next one, they were at, like, the 38, and he went for it. And the next one was, like, 37, and he went for it again. And they... They first the the problem is that the punt they stopped they got it inside the five yard line which was good but then the Rams went ninety five yards <laughs> straight down their ass <laughs> and I was like okay well I guess that wasn't great and so he instead of him thinking I need to try to play better defense he thought well maybe we'll with our awesome quarterback we'll pick up this fourth <laughs> and five it's like there's no chance you're gonna get this. None. No. One of them, Derek Carr, threw the ball like 10 yards short. There's nobody remotely there. <laughs> I was like, and then the, and one of them was like with a minute left in the half. So it was like, if you had punted, there's almost no chance you could have given up a touchdown. I it, think it was 10 to zero. It feels like with half of Derek Carr's passes, you could get flagged for like no, like uncatchable mm-hmm. ball. That's when they like meet and they're like, all right, is it intentional grounding or does he just suck? I don't know. There was He's got to be the hardest one to judge on that call. Like there was four guys there, but they all played on the defense. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't know what was he trying to do. It's like, uh, well, well, it felt like Dennis Allen was trying to keep up with the Rams because they went for it on fourth down. They were at the one yard line. Yeah, they scored. Yeah, they went for it on fourth down and scored. That's the difference. Yeah, <laughs> it's a significant difference. The Saints not only would have had to get the first down at the thirty yard line, then they would have had to go the other thirty yards, the hardest thirty yards in franchise history because they can't ever <laughs> score when they get down there. Unless they're down thirty to seven and they're fighting like hell, they're so good when they're down thirty to seven. They're one of the best teams in the history of football when they're down by four scores. This team is such a disaster that when Drew Brees left, his hair grew back. <laughs> Once the stress went away, it all came back. I bet when I move, my hair will grow back too. It's really insulting to those of us in the bald community. <laughs> The way in which he has regrown his hair and just pretended that it didn't happen. <laughs> and like, we know, Drew. We were all there for bald Drew. You were much cooler when you were bald Drew. If every bald guy in New Orleans moved to Nashville, <laughs> I bet they'd look like Don Draper in a year. They'd be four inches taller, full out of hair, <laughs> two inches more. Yeah, it'd be. It's it's. Uh, there's a confidence problem that we have here that uh, does not result in testosterone. I think I did not allow myself to get emotionally invested in the game tonight. It was on. I watched it. I had the Pelicans on a laptop next to it. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was like an episode of Dateline. I yeah. I know somebody is getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna see which one specifically. Oh man, I I definitely was. The first drive, he like car went like like bam 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 down the field. Like they got to like the other forty whatever very quickly. I was like, oh man, I was like Olave's back. He looks really good. They've got this happening and that. Like they look all right. And then immediately when the Rams went ninety five yards of the touchdown drive, I was like, yeah, I, th- I I'm okay. I'm okay. I know what's about to happen here. We've been here before. I didn't get upset. I was excited by the Shahid touchdown. 
I thought he looked okay. Yeah, that was a that was a great play. I would great say pass. He is the only player who has exceeded expectations this season. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could make the argument for Olave. He's now up to a thousand yards, but he's got some really bad drops in there too, including yeah. tonight on third down. Yeah, there were about three tonight. That and he looked a know, little rusty. Yeah, he got arrested at one point. That wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> he had like a all-out fight right under during the season with somebody, or he's like yelling at Carr. He hasn't had like him and Carr have fought on the field. Carr has fought most of the people on the field. <laughs> yeah, with, with Trevor Penning out, Derek Carr really <laughs> has to step it up to yell at his teammates. <laughs> and that's the thing. Shahid seems to be conflict-free, so good for him. And he just seems to like. Run past guys. Yeah. When the NFL is very challenging. He's what the he's vibing. <laughs> he's out there vibing. Is that is that what they say? That's what the that's what me and the cool kids say. <laughs> me who's older than Sean McVay. Mm. Oh my god, isn't that depressing? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. He was really good tonight. It was it really did feel like one guy is like taking, you know, Harvard level uh, advanced like goodwill hunting style mathematics classes, and the other guy is like doing long division of you know three digit numbers, and you're like, I, this is a very obvious of who's going to like one of these guys is thinking in such a different dimension than the other guy. Yeah, how is it possible that the other guy can win? It was just weird. the The teams looked like they were on different planes of existence. I mean, the the Saints tackling was atrocious. The Saints, yeah. everything was atrocious. Everything. And the Rams had hey, the hey, same. Not everything. They didn't quit, Polk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Blake Groupie missed any field goals. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to make it known they didn't quit. No. Yeah. Which no, is important. They Maybe in... we can start hanging banners for <laughs> games completed. <laughs> The Saints, the 2023, the Saints played all 60 minutes. Hanging from the rafters. Seven and ten. Played all 60 minutes. I wish Lance Moore was more of the face of the Saints yeah. in the media. Yeah. Like, they kind of get him in there, and they seem a little nervous because he tells the truth. Yeah. And he's, you know, he dresses like Common. He looks cool. <laughs> He's not like all these schlubs. He's a cool guy that knows what the fuck he's talking about, and he's telling the truth. Yeah. And they don't, it doesn't seem like, people are just kind of (laughs) like, okay, well, that was Lance. I know. Yeah. And there's always just like, all right, moving on. It's like, what do you think (laughs) of the whatever? And bless Fletcher. I do. I really like Fletcher. But that was, it was just so, well, he wasn't alone. It was just like a wild take. I was like, are we supposed to give them credit for, for that? I don't. Yeah. I would give them a little credit, I suppose, if they had like the ball and like the ten yard line, and like they're about to score, like they come all the way back, or if they like tied the game and then the Rams went down and kicked a field goal at the end, like those kinds of things. You're like, okay, just scoring garbage points and never really having a chance at all to win the game. That's not a thing. I would give them That's credit. Not a thing. If it was a year ago and that was Ian Book. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and the whole team had COVID. Yeah. If it was somebody who didn't cost $150 million, <laughs> yeah. then you get a little credit. Yeah. But this team on paper is supposed to be good. Yeah. They have good names that have been in the league for 27 years. Yeah. I mean, Cam Jordan, I, I don't know how many starts he has. He literally just jumped offside for no reason. Like, that was incredible. 
He was ready to go to the French Laundry. <laughs> he had to curl his mustache. Oh man, I love Cam Jordan so bad. Seeing him just he, I did. I I genuinely forgot he was playing until that moment. I don't think he did one. Did he have a tackle tonight? He did nothing. He was on game. camera a lot. He does. Nothing. I guess most of them were. Oh man, he does nothing up there. I mean, they don't get any pass rush at all uh, generated. I don't remember seeing too much from Demario. Yeah, no. He, and those guys have been great for a long time, but it's like that's the problem, right? Someone mm-hmm. was saying today that the Saints, where they currently are, reminds them of the Dolphins post-Marino. And I was like, that is the best comparison yeah. I think I've ever heard. They have not won a playoff game since 2000, the Dolphins. <laughs> But when you think of the Dolphins, you still don't think of a bad franchise, no. right? But they've been bad for a long time. And those years after Marino, they kind of hung around like Jay Fiedler and Chad Pennington. And they had Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas and Sam Madison and Pat. Like, they had, you know, if you're our age, you remember those guys and being like, man, the Dolphins were pretty good. But they were never good enough to ever do anything of note and never interesting enough to like really matter in the league. And then all those guys got old and they retired. And then the team was just in the desert forever. Yeah, kind of like the Giants, too. Yeah, and now they're just finally starting to emerge from that. The Bills were the same way, right, yeah. after Jim Kelly. Um, but it's like, if that's the course that this team is on, and it does feel that way, it is uh, very dispiriting to think about. It's like, we're just going to hang on to what's left, this semblance of what's left, and try to eke our way through shortcuts to the middle of competitiveness, understanding that it's never going to really get us anywhere that matters. And this is where you end up. It's a Mickey Loomis problem. It is 100% a Mickey Loomis problem. He is will try to pass it off as being a Dennis Allen problem. He hired Dennis Allen, which is the biggest issue. He'd been working with this doofus for a long time and been like, well, you know what? This old bag of shit, he seems like I understand he sounds like an idiot to the defense. And, you know, he stands up there in meetings and everyone's like, oh, my God, what a loser this guy is. Uh, But maybe if we made him the head coach of the team, he'll just, you know, really get a fire spark. Yeah, be a real spark plug. Maybe I'll get all of the media to say that he has swagger in the offseason. What if I say that? What if I say D.A. has swagger in the offseason? Will that people believe that? Be like, oh, yeah, they'll believe it. You bet your ass. Uh, and, and then so every postgame press conference will sound the exact same. Every single team, like every time he talks to the team in the locker room will sound the exact same. I can literally see the players' eyes just like rolling in the back of their head as he's talking to them in the locker room. Uh, and this is the guy you've chosen to go with. But firing him is not the answer. Like, it is an answer, but it's not the answer. Right. They are not going to automatically be fine for firing the head coach. And that's the part that you're like, yeah, that's dispiriting. And the, obviously the Pelicans will talk about head coach and stuff because I think that's been a big point of discussion this week. But it's like, I do feel like a change in coach for the Pelicans has the opportunity to make them a much better team pretty quickly. I don't feel that way with the Saints. I think Dennis Allen should be fired because he deserves to be fired. But simultaneously, I, I don't know if it matters that much. Yeah, my idea is fire Dennis Allen immediately, right now, and then team up with Amazon to allow 
AI to coach the team for the rest of the season. It would be a huge publicity stunt. Maybe the Saints could get some good press. Maybe they could get some money that they could use for something. Maybe they could lower popcorn prices to $8 in the stadium. Be the first team coached by Siri and just see what happens. Would it be worse? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. It would be fun. It would be fun. What if they let all the the fans pick the play yeah in the stands, you, you can know? vote yeah. and it shows up on the screen everybody yeah. text in yeah. one two three or four yeah and then Derek carr can look up at the screen <laughs> or you just make his visor have a little screen yeah. in it, right and then he you know they show him what the play is supposed to be i think we've got an idea i think this is I cutting edge yeah. technology <laughs> yeah. like tech mobile you're sitting in the stands <laughs> you're like you know that they do the, where you hold your phone up and it lights, you know, yeah. before the game? You just do that. This will be Saints socialism. Give everybody a shot to coach this team. <laughs> everybody wants to talk shit about the team. Well, can you do it? Let's see. Punt. First down, punt. <laughs> punt. Where's the punt button? <laughs> second twenty. You're doing Hail Marys. <laughs> it's a Hail Mary or punt. There's nothing in between. When they got to like second and 20 today, I was like, just, I mean, just punt. Yeah. Like, just, what, what are we doing? Just here? do it like NFL blitz yeah. at this point. Blitz every play. <laughs> Hail Mary every play. They got it third and 20 and they ran a draw up the middle and Alvin Kamara got one yard. And I was like, they should just leave. <laughs> like, just walk off the field. But you know what? They didn't. You know why? Because the Saints don't quit they're one of the least quitness professional football teams i've ever seen and i'm so proud of them and i'm so proud that they re- they they are when we talk about the resilience of new orleans they are exactly <laughs> defining what resilience of new orleans means they're not very good at it they stink at everything else but god damn it they're here and they're going to continue to exist for the entirety of the time that they're supposed to be there I just picture, like, at Guantanamo Bay, they've got screens up, and one's playing the Saints 24 hours a day, and the other one's playing the Pistons 24 hours a day. (laughs) And they're just playing Panama by Van Halen over and over and over again. Oh, God. On that note, we will take a quick break. We've got a little Pelicans to talk and then a little bit of local news. Stick around. You'll want to listen to the rest of Polk and Kush. Happy holidays from Crescent Canna. The tree isn't the only thing getting lit this holiday season. Feel fizzy and festive with Crescent 9 THC Seltzer, providing soothing, relaxing effects. These deliciously refreshing THC drinks can elevate your holiday celebrations. Perfect for winter festivities. Crescent 9 Ginger Lemonade THC Seltzer is sweet with warm notes of ginger and infused with 5 milligrams of THC, providing a tropical vacation in a can. Crescent 9 Tropical THC Seltzer has 6 milligrams of THC and a splash of caffeine for uplifting effects. For heavy-duty holiday relaxation, sip Crescent 9 high-potency THC seltzer, which contains a whopping 50 milligrams of THC per can. Ooh, baby. This thing is a lifesaver during the holidays. Yes. Tell the kids that Santa is coming at 7 p.m., Lock them in their rooms and then get the party started with Crescent Canna. Yeah, or if you want to see Santa yourself, you can <laughs> enjoy uh, a very good time on with Crescent Canna. It is uh, what a wonderful product and wonderful people over there. Some people do gingerbread men. I do ginger lemonade THC seltzer, baby, and then I become a deliciously baked cookie of a man. <laughs> 
That wasn't in the script. Crescent Nine also recently came out with a THC drink syrup, perfect for transforming ordinary holiday drinks into delightfully enhanced cannabis beverages. Instantly infused drinks with this subtly sweet syrup that contains 50 milligrams Delta 9 THC per bottle and 3 milligrams THC per serving. Order online at crescentcanna.com and get 30% off THC drink syrup with code KUSH30. Baby. You must be 21 or older to purchase or consume THC products. Consult with your doctor before using any cannabis product if you have a medical condition or are taking medication. KUSH30, K-U-S-H-3-0, 30% off the drink syrup. Yes, indeed. That is a sponsor. On to sunnier pastures. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans doing pretty well. Well, it was a tough one uh, against Memphis at home. That yeah. was about as annoyed as I've seen the fan base in quite some time. Not fun. Uh, John Morant is just a dog. You a know? man who has not played in 250 days. <laughs> and he was great. 26, 28, something like that. And, of course, the most important shot of the game. Yeah. Welcome back to the NBA, John Moran. Yeah, and uh, Memphis was very bad entering that game, but they hadn't had him, obviously, all season. So who's to say if that's a good loss, a bad loss, etc.? When you blow a 26-point lead, though, that is not good. No. However, overall, I don't think people are jumping off the bridge regarding the Pelicans. Uh, I do think they're a pretty good team. They've been through a lot of turmoil. It does feel like they've had a a very uh, negative news cycle about them, mostly because of the Zion stuff that's kind of hung over their head. But look, yeah. man, they're 17 and 12. Like, they're pretty good. Yeah. You know, like, they're not great, but they're pretty good. And they'll be, I think they're going to end up being a pretty solid playoff team. And they've got a lot of good players. It's just a matter of figuring out the best time to play them, the best combinations to play them in. And those are problems that are inherently fixable. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part. All the stuff we talked about with the Saints for months, the part of it that really gives you that malaise and gives you that uh, that just kind of depressing feeling is that the problems don't seem fixable. All the problems with the Pelicans, for the most part, feel pretty fixable. They've got a lot of good players, and they're okay when they all play together it's just a matter of getting Brandon Ingram and Zion and CJ McCollum to kind of hit their peaks at the right time. Uh, but otherwise, they've got a lot of good stuff. And tonight was obviously an example of that. Pelicans win 123 to 104 in Cleveland. A reeling Cavaliers team without a whole bunch of guys. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, what a ridiculous lineup that was. Uh, if I were to name, I'm going to just name the last names of the guys. I mean, you tell me if you can name who they are. Uh, D. Wade. Dwayne Wade, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. I. Okoro. Uh, Isaac. <laughs> there you go. Uh, J. Allen. J. <laughs> C. Porter. It's Jared Allen. It right? is Jared Allen, yeah. yes. C. Porter. Christian. Uh, let's take a look. I don't know who that guy is. Craig. Craig <sighs> Porter. If he walked in to our studio right now. I would ask him if he's here to deliver us guacamole. I have no idea that guy is. Nice six foot nine guy. You're going to be like, hey, are you? Uh, M. Struss. <laughs> Max Struss. Yes. This is, this is who the Cavs were tonight. They're not great. Okay. No. 
they're missing a lot of guys, and uh, whether they be hurt or they're getting ready to trade them, etc. So not great. The Pelicans also, however, played without uh, Zion tonight. Zion and, had uh, illness. Yes, a non-COVID illness. Uh, and the, they played great. You know why? Because Trey Murphy scored 28 points. He made six three-pointers. And my God, this team is really good when he's good. Yeah, I don't believe the non-COVID illness because right after the Memphis game, Valanchunas and uh, Herb and Zion all had an illness. Yeah, Everybody in New Orleans is sick right now. Yeah. I don't think they're going to say, you're never going to hear an NBA player sitting out with COVID ever again. Never. They're never going to say that. No, because they don't have to test for it. So they don't have it's, to, yeah. it's iffy saying Zion's out with an illness because people on Twitter are going to be like, oh, it's gout. or Yeah. <laughs> It's the penis. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the penis. Uh, yeah. But I, but everybody that played tonight, uh, they didn't quit. <laughs> they played really hard. I feel like praising a team for not quitting in the NBA is makes a little more sense in the NFL. Because they, they do quit all the time. They do all the time. Like that Lakers game they lost by forty, they definitely quit in that game. Uh, you know, I, so you're you're right on that front. Um, but yeah, the the but you were saying Valanciunas firing on all cylinders. Um, Trey Murphy yeah. was great. I mean, it it does feel in many ways if they can get Trey Murphy in properly integrated into the system, in which he is a not necessarily the number one target, but at least a top two or three target where like they're actually passing him the ball, getting him shots, and using an offense that focuses on making three-pointers because he is the most efficient three-point shooter on the team, that they'll be a lot better off. And that was a huge part of the problem with that loss in Memphis was that Trey Murphy not only disappeared from the stat sheet, he was barely playing in the second half as you kept watching this lead slip away you're like i get on some level you have to defend better than allowing whatever 75 points and a half mm-hmm. i was like but you also need to score and it's like if you don't have him in the game it's a lot harder to score for zion for ingram and for just the team because he can score himself and so those are the kind of moments where you're like i don't know what willie green is really thinking but it does feel like if you do enough trial and error and there's enough error in the trial eventually they will figure out what they're supposed to be doing. And so it is still December. You can't go crazy, but it is a little baffling that they're still having this problem with Willie Green where he doesn't seem like he knows the right guys to play in the right situations. Yeah, the rotations have been odd. I would love to see more Jordan Hawkins. Like, I I know he does not play defense. I know the point differential when he's on the floor is not great. Yeah. But... Jordan Hawkins played for three seconds tonight, and he had two three-pointers, as many as C.J. McCollum. Mm -hmm. And C.J. is not a closer. He is not. It It was talked about last year a little bit. I think it is getting more and more proven as his career with the Pelicans progresses. Dame sucked all of the closer gene out of C.J. Yes. It's not there. Those two shots against Memphis were baffling abhorrent and jordan hawkins would have made one of those two thirds <laughs> I mean, he, he just would have he was wide open on those shots against memphis especially but, the second one and he didn't hit there i don't know how many goals you would have had to line up next to each other in order for him to hit one uh and they would have had to be like eight and nine feet like they were it was a bad 
bad shot to the point that it didn't even feel real. It's like if you just stood him in an empty gym and had defenders standing that close, he'd make like seventy percent of them, and he would airball zero of them. Yes, you know the fact that it happened in that situation that he completely airballed it, almost missed the goal entirely, much less the rim entirely. Uh, a very odd situation for him yeah and you know this robinson earl guy just showed up like i don't i have no idea who he is because earl had to die (laughs) yeah i don't know who the hell that is you know he seems very similar to naji marshall and both of them are different branches of what dyson daniels does yeah like we've got three of basically the same player out there Mm -hmm. with no big upside to any of them jordan hawkins has a huge upside yeah and having him out there with with Trey Murphy and when CJ McCollum is on and Brandon Ingram has been taking a few more threes yeah. in games. He's not taking a lot, but he's making them, uh, you know, yeah, he's been great this year. I have no complaints with Brandon Ingram. I think like he's been really good. Most of the, year. I just want to see a team with this much shooting talent on it, play small ball warrior style basketball up just the sh- tempo, sh- yeah. shoot 500 three pointers mm-hmm. a game. And if you lose, at least have 140 points when you lose. Yeah, and if you, exactly. Like, they actually can keep pace, it seems like that. What they can't do, and what they think they've proven they can't do, is basically try to lean back defensively when they have a big lead and try to, like, clamp down. They're not good enough to do that. And frankly, most teams aren't good enough to yeah. do that. The NBA is really hard to stop their team from scoring, no matter who you are. It's very difficult. The guys in the NBA are ridiculously good at basketball. Yes. All these teams are loaded with talent, and especially when you go up against a guy like Ja, a guy like Luka. A guy, I mean, there are so many just superstars in the league, almost one per team at this point, where it's just no, it doesn't matter what you do defensively. You're not going to stop them either A, from scoring, or B, getting to the free throw line. So the other option you have is to go outscore them on the other end and take a bunch of threes and try to beat them that way. And it does often feel like Willie Green gets lost in the moment of that or he sort of like time travels in his own head back to a time where you could at least somewhat clamp down on a team defensively because there were not that many guys in the league who could take on a defense and score at will. It's just not the case anymore. There's too many dudes. You've got guys with Kobe-level scoring talent on like 15 teams now. It's crazy how good the players are. And when your second-best defender is five foot ten, that doesn't leave you with a ton of options. Yeah, yeah. And that, and you have one guy who stinks on defense who you know has to be on the court, which is Zion. Yeah. So it's like that's going to hurt your defense immediately. And then you have to play Valanciunas because no one else on the floor can rebound because Zion doesn't rebound. So then you have two guys who stink on defense. And then it's like, well, you're really not going to stop anybody anyway. So why don't you just lean all the way into it? Don't even prioritize that at all. Obviously, try to play defense, but you understand that the key to winning the game is going to be offensively. And so you, you have to go that direction. It does feel like he is hesitant to do that. And those are the kinds of games where you're like, I understand why they're able to rack up wins against bad teams. And you saw them beat a lot of bad teams recently. They beat Washington and tonight against Cleveland. And I, who else did they? They played somebody else who's terrible. 
um, you know, last week. Spurs. Yeah, yeah, the Spurs who stink. And you're like, yeah, they won whatever, four out of five. Most of those were against bad teams. And it's important to beat bad teams. Mm-hmm. This team had a very long history of losing to bad teams <laughs> because they did not show up night to night. This team's effort, I don't think, is the problem. I don't think you can point to that at all, in fact, for this team. It is simply they have a flaw in their strategy and it is going to it costs them against really good teams mm-hmm. and they have the capability of winning more often and they seem to not be able to totally find that formula but it is december they have a ton of games to go i do think willie green is not dumb by any stretch of the imagination i think he's a little stubborn but i don't think he's dumb and after a certain amount of time i think he's going to figure out what it is that this team optimizes at and that's okay i don't think there's anything totally wrong with that you should play the way you want to play until it proves that it doesn't work and then you got to switch and that's what sort of in the process of doing well i feel like the pelicans are doing exactly what they should be at this time you know you don't want the pelicans to peak and fizzle out at this point yeah pelicans have been pretty lucky with health so far mm-hmm. and and you know i feel completely satisfied watching this team they're fun they're doing a lot of things the right way and like you said at the beginning of this segment there are just so many good players. Yeah. I like watching almost everybody out there. And now they've got a five-game homestand coming up at the Blender. Um, some good teams in the mix there. Uh, starting off against the Rockets, then we Grizzlies, Jazz, Lakers, and Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, all those teams are more than capable, except maybe the Rockets, of putting it on. Yeah, I mean, Utah beat them twice. Or Utah's probably the worst team of that, but they beat them twice mm-hmm. uh, earlier in Utah. So certainly not a uh, an easy win. So a really important homestand, a fun homestand. I think you're starting to see the city switch its gears toward this team. Yeah. Really nice crowd against Memphis the other night. It was a great crowd. Yeah. And they were in it the whole time. It felt like a playoff game. It did. It did. It's including the loss at the end. Uh, (laughs) 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 You know, they'll have, I would suspect they'll have really good crowds this week with holidays. People are here and looking for stuff to do. I think you'll get a nice crowds for those and teams winning. Uh, and I do think you're going to really see the city switch uh, into Pelicans mode a little bit more than they have been. Uh, certainly they have a long way to go to kind of capture the imagination of the city because the Saints don't even have the imagination of the city right now. What does? Nothing. Uh, avoiding gunfire seems to be the... Uh, Trans-Siberian yeah. Orchestra coming to town. <laughs> That's all anybody can talk about. <laughs> uh, liquor on ice seems to be our fascination <laughs> at the moment. Uh, but I do think uh, they have a really good opportunity in front of them. I do think people like this team. The Zion stuff we will talk about over and over and over again, and there's all sorts of Zion stuff out there. But look, he hasn't been that bad. It's unfortunate he's overweight, which he definitely is, and there's nights where he's not as effective as he should be for a guy who's supposed to be a superstar, et cetera, et cetera. But he's not bad, and that's, I think, the thing. Like, there was a whole thing today about how they could technically cut him because he's overweight and he's, like, not meeting his the game's play. They're not going to cut him. That was also bizarre that that came out yeah, was, as if it was, like, some new revelation. No. That was known at, in the <laughs> middle of last season when yeah. he missed his 22nd game. Yeah, and Christian reported it. Yeah. It was very odd time. I think like the athletic put it out today Mm -hmm. and people really seem to be chomping at the bit to go after Zion right now. Yeah. The idea that they're going to cut him is so impossibly stupid. Like they're not going to cut him. 
they might trade him, and it might not be for what you think they should trade him for, mm-hmm. or what his you know value should be, et cetera, et cetera. You have that conversation all day. They're not just gonna like let him walk away. <laughs> like he still scores twenty five points a night and is twenty something years old. Like they're not just gonna let him walk. Yeah, he's a bad defender, but. You know, so is Cody Zeller. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, so strange that that is, like, going to be a talking point. It's like, should they just, like, not pick up his player option? Like, no, doofus. This isn't, you know, this isn't Eric Gordon at the end of his career. It's, you know, somebody, like, just, like, hanging on for dear life. Like, no, you're going to pay him. And if he continues to not be the guy you want him to be, you trade him for no- for next to nothing. But it's not actually nothing. So this is the, I thought that whole line of thing was was very strange. They're going to at least give it the season. They're going to see how it goes. I think they definitely should. I don't think you need a major trade. Play the season, see who you are, see what you have, and if it doesn't go well, then you can move from there. But they're certainly not just going to cut him. No, idiots. What a joke. Um, all right. Speaking of jokes, our fine city. <laughs> Everybody thought I was going to lead into jokes. We don't have jokes tonight. But our fine city is a joke, and we like to talk about it right here. Uh, So stick around for Local Breakdown. It's the Odo! It is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny little crawdads. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. (laughs) Let her Well, if you are thinking about leaving Louisiana, you are not alone for the third straight year. Louisiana's population drop uh, has been one of the steepest declines in the country. Uh, According to new estimates from the U.S. Census Bureau, also probably, like, how many people do you know in Louisiana that respond to the census? (laughs) They're probably missing thousands of people that have left or leaving or were killed after they got the census. (laughs) Nearly 14,300 fewer people live in Louisiana in the summer of 2023 than the year before, adding to a total population drop of more than 84,000 since 2020. So that's like if Monroe left New Orleans. (laughs) Yes, it's the Superdome just (laughs) emptied out into Texas. Uh, I don't think there's anything too surprising about that. No, I mean... while I'm certain New Orleans definitely plays a part in that, it doesn't feel like anywhere else in the state is all that, you know, gangbusters either. No, I mean, people aren't hanging around Bastrop. No, it's like, I don't think where you're from, the <laughs> Ruston area is doing great. I don't think Shreveport's doing great. I don't think Alexandria is doing great. Like, there's not a lot of places you really want to go in the state except for New Orleans, and New Orleans is not doing awesome. I feel like Mandeville and Lafayette are probably doing well. That feels like about right. That's about it. Yeah, it's like the St. Tammany Parish (laughs) part of Lafayette, and that's about all that seems to be doing okay. And Lafayette is really like dependent almost entirely on oil prices. It's like if you can you can like judge the uh, how happy people are almost exclusively on a commodities price. (laughs) Well, Louisiana's population has been on the decline since 2016 when a decade of increases fueled by residents returning to rebuild after Hurricane Katrina started coming to an end. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And then after Ida, people are like, you're on your own. Yeah, it's too many. Well, at some point, they're going to have to look at the idea that like, oh, to live here costs three X what it did four years ago. Yeah. It's like, this is crazy. Like. 
your home insurance can't cost more than your house. It makes no sense to insure a thing that doesn't cost, that's not even worth what you're insuring it for. Yeah. It'd be like me putting health insurance on you for $55. Your life is not worth $55, Andrew Polk. I'm not going to insure that. <laughs> like, this is, it's, it's you know, you have $200,000 in coverage on car. Like, that's kind of where we're yeah. at now. There's no point in having this much insurance and paying this much when the value of the stuff is going down. So it's, it's very, it, it definitely drives people out. And, yeah. and then the, all the landlords take those bills. They try to pass them on to people. People just say, no, and we're going to leave. And so there's not a lot of jobs. There's a giant insurance crisis, but at least our leaders are going to do absolutely nothing about it. Well, it's, you know, the agreement with new Orleans and Louisiana as a whole was, Stuff might be a little screwed up, but at least it's cheap and fun. Yeah. And now it's, I mean, it's Los Angeles prices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived in Los Angeles for years yeah. and it was $18 hamburgers there. Now it's $18 hamburgers here. Yeah. And you don't even get to sit next to Bronson Pincho <laughs> while you're eating it <laughs> or get served by him. <laughs> or you don't get to go to that Six Flags that guy <laughs> ate every single day. That was awesome. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it's, 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 I did go to that six flags. They confiscated <laughs> my vape pen when I went in. They're like, do you have a prescription for this? I was like, uh, no one does. No one does. Yeah. Here's my prescription. Just flip them <laughs> off. Oh man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough to live here and you have to make a sacrifice in a lot of circumstances to live here or live somewhere that stinks. And so it's like, all right, well, at some point that's not going to work out. So the population is getting older, therefore dying. The young people are leaving. And then you end up, the craziest part is that like the rest of the South seems to be doing fine. Seems to be doing all right. And if you were to say like, yeah, Mississippi is doing well, Alabama is doing well, Arkansas is doing well, and Louisiana is just this dump. It's very strange that we can't make this better. But I, I suppose those the reasons i guess so i guess everybody is going to coastal mississippi or they're going to uh florida texas yeah. texas tennessee yeah you know where the smart people are maybe in a year Not or two us. this podcast will be based in russellville arkansas <laughs> We should just move it to Hot Springs. Why man. not? That sounds sick. You've been to Hot Springs, Arkansas. I love Hot right? Springs. <laughs> we should just do it there, man. Why not? They probably have a thriving stand-up scene, right? Could we be nude in the Hot Spring <laughs> while we do the show? Every week. I was in a band in college, and we played in Hot Springs, and while we were loading our gear into the van after a show that no one came to, we knew we, and we didn't get paid for, <laughs> somebody <laughs> driving by threw eggs at us, and I was like... Hot Springs is great. This this Christian rock thing might not be working out for us, guys. Yeah, our Lord and Savior is not standing up for the, the truth that he needs to right now. Well, I can't even celebrate New Year's this year because Dick Clark <laughs> is not coming to the city. It's like the 20th year. He's not coming. But the celebration... Is not coming either. Uh, the the New Year's rockin' Eve. <laughs> How long do you have to have been dead to be watching dick clark's new year's rock and eve like how how long would you have to be rotting inside your apartment alone for the television to be playing cnn at midnight of new year's eve who is watching this there can't be a single living breathing person everyone has to either be asleep 
or having have died within the previous week in order to have that on the television. You ignore a whole community of people on Reddit <laughs> that just sit at home with their Funko Pops and watch what normal people do through a screen. There, I'm sure it's like the Super Bowl for shut-ins. Oh my God! Like, you get to see Don Lemon doing the Macarena in front of Jackson Square. It's like a, if you're not in a nursing home, and even if you are in a nursing home, you're probably asleep before midnight. Yeah, who is watching? Well, this you on might television? wake up when somebody's uh, stealing your pills, and then you turn on the TV. I genuinely just cannot figure out, like insomniacs, lunatics, people in jail, like who. Who is turning on CNN at midnight going, you know, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, New Year's with the CNN anchors. That's, that's how I want to celebrate. It's like, well, I'm either probably out with friends asleep or I am antisocial. Either one of those would make you want to not watch this. Uh, I can't believe I didn't even know it was in New Orleans anymore. I remember they did it a couple of years ago from New Orleans. I can't believe they were still doing it. Have they been there like here since COVID, I guess? I guess so. I, When's the last time you cared about New Year's? <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, who cares? Well, uh, there was a little controversy around the cancellation. Scoot with WWL, who's a professional Andy Warhol impressionist, <laughs> uh, said that Dick Clark's Rocket New Year's Eve is pulling out over crime concerns. Uh-huh. Uh, that may have just been completely made up. There's no sure. source Seems for like it. Seems an easy thing to say about anything. <laughs> I mean, that's something we would say. Yeah. Like, oh, they're not coming here because they don't want to get robbed. Yeah. Every time there's like a restaurant closure, like, due to crime. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're in battery. I think it's due to $32 salads, yeah, maybe. Like, yeah, it seems like there's other issues at play. The fact that no one ate there, you know, that's... <laughs> Uh, well, Jeff Landry like retweeted. It was a screenshot on like the Bayou Mama Bears, and then <laughs> Jeff Landry reposted it, saying, "This is the sad reality of the city of New Orleans right now. Even Don Lemon is terrified to come here and throw up in our streets." <laughs> I look forward to holding our special session on crime and bringing back law and order to our streets. That'll do it. And welcoming back Dick Clark, who's been dead for 38 years. Yeah, I can't. I, New Orleans, if New Orleans is going to heal, we need Dua Lipa here <laughs> doing a midnight toast with Marshawn Lynch. That's what the city needs to heal and recover. I just like can't, who is the audience for this? I don't know. Yeah, but I, they're not going to be here. the The Polar Express isn't going to be here. Oh no! What happened to the Polar Express? I mean, we could speculate and say crime. Yeah, that uh, was easy. But they, the Polar Express people, said the reasonable and seemingly truthful, like we can't get any crews to work there, yeah, and sounds, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. I mean, how do you? Are they an actual train? Do they need a conductor? I you have like, kids. Yeah, do you take them to this I thing? Mean, I haven't, but yeah. that's mostly because we, you know. I, I don't do anything. <laughs> I'm sure they've gone on and I didn't know about it. Well, well, good for Scoot. Uh, well, thank, <laughs> thanks to Scoot for breaking that news and giving us everything that we needed. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening to this very late program. Uh, I apologize for my voice and uh, any comments that I might have made. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you so very much, except for Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. You are gigantic losers. Uh, and please leave our city immediately. Otherwise, we love all of you. We're so appreciative of you listening. And please 
Follow us at Poke and Kush. Email pokeandkush at gmail.com if you want a t-shirt or you just have a comment. Uh, all right. Talk to everybody soon. See ya.